It's the biggest show ever on Netflix, and everybody dies. Hi, I'm Scott Ott with Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, and this episode of Right Angle is brought to you by the members at BillWhittle.com. Gentlemen, Netflix's uh, highest-rated show right now is a program called Squid Game. It's actually a Korean production in Korean. Everybody in it speaks Korean. It's got English subtitles and it's number one on Netflix. I think uh, Bill watched the trailer and told me some 19 million people had seen the trailer. I think the first season uh, is already like uh, in the can and some nine episodes of this. And this is not a, a new story, Stephen Green. Um, this is basically like the Hunger Games with guns and lots of them, <laughs> a lot of blood. And basically it's a story of absolutely destitute people who have big debts who are being threatened in the real world and somehow find their way into this game, which is kind of like a video game where they wind up playing childlike games like Red Light, Green Light. But the problem is the losers all get shot in the head. So there's a lot of people falling over dead. So like in the first round of it, there were 546 contestants and only 201 survived. Um, there's all kinds of sub-themes in this betrayal among friends. Um, then it, it turns out in later episodes, you find out, and by the way, I don't care if you're going to watch this series. Screw you with the spoiler alerts. <laughs> we're just going to mm -hmm. ruin it for you because if you've got enough time to watch this series, you really need to sit down and rethink your life. But anyway, <laughs> the... Uh, uh, later, you find out that the game is actually being run by rich people for their amusement. Of course, it's the wealthy that are doing this. Uh, Stephen Green, at a time like this, this show, which had virtually no pre-release uh, publicity, no big interviews or reviews of the program, very little marketing went into it. And this thing just took off in these United States of America. To what do you attribute the popularity of such themes with such brutality? Well, we love a bit of the old ultraviolence. That's the, uh, the short version. Uh, you know, I might have something here. First of all, I just got to say, I'm really looking forward to watching the show. I hadn't heard of it, but uh, probably about 10, 12 years ago, I got into Korean movies a little bit, starting with The Host, which is just a great monster movie. At a time when monster movies have been overdone, this one was uh, smart and funny and brutal in equal measures in ways you don't often find anymore in a lot of American action flicks. And the most recent one I watched that was uh, so good is called Parasite, which is a drama, believe it or not. But it is some really, really biting satire, and I recommend it completely. However, my wife, who loves to read and loves movies and TV, doesn't like anything with subtitles. As she put it to me, I don't go to the movies to read. So I'm going <laughs> to have to find enough spare time on my own to watch this thing. But I am looking forward to it. Um, but more seriously, to, to really address your question here, there's there's a problem in drama. What I, I call it escalating stakes syndrome. I got a couple of examples for you. Uh, the first season of 24, the uh, the old Kiefer Sutherland show from early this century, which, wow, that's a fun phrase to say. Uh, the first season of that was so good because it was a very human level drama. There are bad guys who want to break their guy out of prison and Kiefer Sutherland has 24 hours to stop them while trying to keep his family together. And it's 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 relatable. This The stakes are small enough to be human. Season two, bad guys are setting off nukes in Los Angeles because what That's the right. hell? <laughs> and we don't we don't need that. Keep the drama at a scale we can understand, and that makes us relate to the heroes more because they're not stopping guys with nukes. They're just trying to stop a little prison break. This makes sense to me. 
Uh, the reason why Casino Royale was so good, uh, the, the Bond flick, was uh, Bond just had to win a poker game. And if he lost, the terrorist would get all of this money and keep financing terrorism. OK, I get that. I play some cards. I just I, this, this gets me in my gut. The next very next Bond movie, there's a mad Frenchman trying to steal all the water out of Bolivia. All right, whatever. Okay. Just <laughs> that was an underdog episode. <laughs> you, you really jumped the shark there. I understand there's a writer's strike, but it's it's very lazy to just uh, say, oh, oh, Star Trek. Yeah, there's another madman who's going to blow up all the planets in the Federation because he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's just, yep, lazy. Let's, you know, let's go back in time and save some whales, right? Let's. Uh, Let's stop Khan from stealing the, the doomsday device. Just keep it simple. Keep it small. Keep it on a scale that we can relate to. On the other hand, what Squid Game is called Squid Game, right? Yes. What Squid Game tends uh, does is it throws away the small human drama right at the beginning. Says, screw it. You know, we're just going to kill everybody and you're along for the ride. OK, I'm going to be along for that ride. Well, I think I'll 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 read a book in a quiet nook somewhere in this house. <laughs> uh, Bill Whittle, uh, you're you're a great student of the culture, and uh, you've done some work in TV. You've written some screenplays. Um, what fascinates me when I look at something like Squid Game is people like Steve Green who want to watch it. Um, you know, like there's a <laughs> seriously there's a market for this, yeah. and. Even though I've already told Steve up front that the that the sub message here, the or it's really the meta message of this is that the rich people are using the poor people for their amusement, and uh, you know that there is no honor among thieves kind of thing, and like and everybody's betraying everybody else. I'm sure there will be pockets and moments, and I think there are one or two where somebody you know does the right thing and at the expense of their own life. But what is the attraction? in our society to say, you know, hey, I want to see something that reinforces old stereotypes and everybody dies. This isn't about uh, rich people um, using poor people for their own amusement. Now, for full disclosure, I'd never heard of the show either, neither had Steve. We did our backstage show as we recorded this about an hour ago, maybe two hours ago. And so I saw the trailer, and um, and that's all I know about the show. But from the trailer, I can tell you a couple things. Uh, it's not about rich versus poor, and it's, it's, it is nothing like that. It is about control. It is about control, and it is about the dehumanization of a population. This is immediately obvious to me from the trailer. The trailer has people in identical, bland uniforms, much like Mao jackets, and they're marching in straight lines. They've even got a shot where it's almost like those Escher stairs where almost like impossible angles, yeah. people going up. And I'll tell you the first thing that hit me the second I saw those angles, and that is it is, it is virtually identical to um, the classic Fritz Lang movie, Metropolis. Metropolis yeah. It's virtually identical. Metropolis was the story of an, of an inhuman world where, where people were literally cogs in a machine and that's all they did. They marched through the steam so they could stand there and move levers and turn dials and they would do this for eight hours and then they'd go get their algae paste and they, you know, they'd do it you know, for another day. And that's clearly the, to me, the message of, of what this is. The people who are doing the oppressing are the government. They have lethal authority over your lives, happen to be wearing masks, which I, which I think is an interesting uh, little commentary. And they are forcing these people 
to do what they damn well tell them to do. And so this isn't about money and it's not about uh, survival even. It is about it is about the power to make people conform. I owe some money, right? Yes. So you don't get to eat, right? Mm-hmm. So now you're either going to go and do this game and you will because we've already made sure that you go marching in your lines and you and you all dress the same and you all look the same. So we've already know you're a conformist. Now you're going to conform for our amusement. Okay, that's that's a cherry on the top of that's not what it's about. It's about the power of the state to tell people what to do. And even the this is the thing. Even the simplest thing, if you get it wrong, if this if this authority figure tells you to do something and it's the simplest thing like uh, red light, green light, you get that wrong, the penalty is is death. You cannot disobey the state. That's what it's all about. Now, when I read the comments on this, the one thing that I saw was I just scrolled through 30 of them was number one, uh, I binge watched all of it. I watched all nine hours in one setting, couldn't put it down. The one thing that kept coming up was it's just beautifully made, beautifully made, beautifully made. And in an era where all we do is recycle old ideas and and reinvent and reboot things, rebooting a new Spider-Man, and we're going to redo a new Avengers spinoff or another entry into the Marvel uh, comic universe, all this other stuff. Here's something that's original and different and fresh and 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 relatively raw. From what I could see of the trailer, this didn't have a $200 million imprimatur on it. It, 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 it and, and, and people can tell. And that gave it a sense of realism. And the final reason I think it's popular, Scott, is, is something I heard 10, 15 years ago now, I guess, regarding The Walking Dead. Why are all these zombie movies so popular? Why are all these after-man documentaries, what will happen to the earth when humans leave and all, all this other stuff? And some anonymous commentator absolutely got it. And he said, in a society where there is no adventure, the only adventure left is to destroy society. And and I thought, wow, that's exactly what it is. When you watch The Walking Dead, you are asking yourself, could I survive in this situation? Would I be able to take a baseball bat and smash in a zombie's head if that's what it took for me to, to, to live another day? That's, that's how drama works. And what this show apparently is tapping into, I think, is people's overwhelming and growing resentment at being forced to march in lines and stand in lines and and being told what to wear and what to do all the time. And if you don't, you get shot. And that to me is why this thing is resonating. And the idiots who are talking about, hey, this is the most wonderful show ever. I'm talking about the Netflix people, not the fans. This is working because it's a rebellion against all of your woke policies, your tech manipulation of our choices, your your fascistic uh, inclinations to, as you mentioned on our other show this week, uh, monitor your bank account and so on and so on and so on. Well, there's an old uh, saying attributed to P.T. Barnum that nobody ever lost a nickel underestimating the intelligence of the American public. And I think that there is some element of that uh, to this. I, I find it interesting that you could be involved in a profession where you're literally thinking on a daily basis, hmm, what are people's sort of 
unspoken prurient interests, like what are the darkest things that they fantasize about in the in the depths of their souls when nobody's looking and nobody can hear? Yeah, I wonder if I'd kill my best friend if it meant that I'd get $45 million to pay off my debts. <laughs> like, you know, like, do people really think that way? I don't think so. But it's just like this whole movie seems to be pandering to the lowest part of your nature. Yes, there's a political message here. And it's not just like these people, as far as I could tell from uh, not only the trailer that I watched, but then kind of a TikTok review that somebody walked through the season and said what happened in it. Um, it, It's not so much a government control thing, but it is a control thing. And it's more, um, it's like the rich are bored. Not only are they bored, but they're heartless. And the poor are so desperate that even once they get an, they succeed in getting through a round of the game and they're allowed to leave, they leave, but the world is such a crappy place that they say, you know what? It's better to go back into the game and see if I can win that money, even though I watched dozens, if not hundreds of people get mown down and blood was spattering from them onto my body. Uh, that's It's like... A view of existence that is so dark and desperate and pathetic. And I'm reading a book right now called um, called Work the System. And the guy talks about at one point in his life, he came to a sudden realization that almost everything in the world, far from being chaotic as he had viewed it as a child of the 60s and out of control and, and bad, almost everything in the world really runs well. <laughs> Like, it's just amazing that we continue to be able to live these lives with this relative luxury and, you know, get up every morning and get in a car that doesn't explode immediately and drive to a place of business where nobody shoots me, at least not right away, and and to be able to do all that. And he had this sort of epiphany where he said, you know, it's like 99% of things are working really well. The things that aren't working well can be corrected. But this movie posits a, a system where nothing's working well. And even the people who have managed to earn a bunch of money can't find satisfaction in it. And they have to try to amp up the the cortisol in their system. They have to try to get more of a, a rush by saying, hey, let's stage a game. Let's have those filthy poor people battle it out among each other and we'll just shoot them dead because maybe then I'll feel something. Um, I'm not criticizing anybody uh, who might watch this show, Stephen Green, uh, but I am, <laughs> I am saying that I think that there's a place in the movie business for a different vision of reality. You can still have tension, you can still have drama, you can still have conflict, but that overall, the overarching feeling should be that there is a way to triumph. And the way to triumph is not by killing everybody, that you actually might be able to do good and make the world a better place in doing it. But maybe that's why I don't go to as many movies as some do. For Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, I'm Scott Ott. Thanks for watching Right Angle. Thanks to the members for making it possible. 